In the summer of 2012, a Russian student named Igor Yusev peeled back a chain-link fence. The barrier surrounded a deserted military base in a rural town about 40 minutes northwest of Moscow. The site contains several abandoned structures, but Yvesev targeted a rusty radio tower. He suspected it was broadcasting a mysterious radio signal identified as UVB-76, or MDZHB. The station only played strange, monotonous buzzing and the occasional arcane verbal message. Yvesev had been listening for years, but he didn't know what any of it meant. This was his chance to find out. He worked until he'd made a hole that was almost large enough to step through. But then he stopped. Someone was coming. Yvesev ducked into some nearby bushes. He didn't want anyone to catch him trespassing. The woman who walked by didn't appear to see Yvesev. She seemed to be an ordinary new mother on a walk pushing a stroller in front of her. Yvesev relaxed. He was probably hiding from a clueless resident of the nearby town. He watched her pass. Then, renewed adrenaline surged through his veins. Her stroller was empty. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're covering a Russian radio broadcast known as UVB-76, or MDZHB, that appears to be coming from an abandoned military base. The signal, which mostly relays a series of beeps and buzzes interrupted by an occasional cryptic verbal message, has been broadcast since the 1970s or 1980s and can be picked up around the world. But although thousands tune in, no one knows its purpose. Or what sort of doomsday we may face if it ever stops. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
In the 1970s, the Povarova military complex was an operational, top-secret facility. Sometime between 1973 and 1982, a strange radio signal began broadcasting from the base. Although the station was housed in a high-security installation, anyone could tune into the transmission by turning their radio dial to the right frequency. For roughly a decade, the station dubbed UVB-76 only played a series of beeps. They were repetitive, but consistent. One second on, one second off. Then, in 1992, the broadcast changed. The sound faded, as if muted by interference, and morphed in pitch. It became more of a buzz than a beep. The cadence changed as well. Each tone still lasted about a second apiece, but the space between them wasn't as consistent. Anywhere between 21 and 34 blips were transmitted over the radio waves every minute. And at the top of every hour, two quick buzzes sounded. Faithful civilian listeners tracked these changes all across the world. Many of them had stumbled upon the odd signal by accident as they turned the dial, searching for something else. But for whatever reason, they stopped on the monotonous buzzing, turned up the volume, and paid attention. A feeling in their gut told them that they'd tuned into something clandestine. They had the sense that they weren't supposed to be listening. And this kept them glued to their radios. Their dedication eventually paid off. The first break in the monotony arrived not long after the 1992 shift from beeping to buzzing. A male voice interrupted the drone. His message started with a call sign. The voice went on to list a series of numbers and words in Russian. Though completely incomprehensible, this is where the station's moniker comes from, UVB-76. It may have been a secret message or some kind of test. Nobody knew for sure. But they wouldn't have to wonder for long, because afterward, the broadcast featured countless more interruptions. These odd verbal broadcasts always started with the call sign UVB-76, but were otherwise totally inconsistent and unpredictable. At most, the man only broke through the buzzing once every couple of weeks. Sometimes months passed without a voice on the airwaves. Listeners couldn't find a discernible pattern of when they could expect to hear humans speak. And for a lot of people, it simply wasn't a priority. Russia fell into chaos over the next two decades with the collapse of communism, several wars, a financial crisis, and more. But through it all, UVB-76 continued its consistent, steady broadcast. Slowly, the mysterious station's fan base grew. They found each other through audio industry trades and newsletters that mentioned the station as a niche oddity. The listeners shared information and hypotheses with one another about its purpose. But they were careful to remain anonymous. 
Everyone felt they undertook a risk by listening in on what felt like a clandestine transmission. Of course, the sense of danger was also part of the fun. The group celebrated tiny shifts in the cadence or timber of the repetitious broadcast. They gave the station a pet name, The Buzzer. The group grew to trust in the broadcast's regularity. It was cryptic, but comforting. Until June 5th, 2010, when the buzzing stopped. For the first time in nearly 40 years, UVB 76 went silent. This may have been the first time in history that dead air attracted new listeners. Just after the outage, an Estonian entrepreneur livestreamed UVB 76's broadcast on the internet. As news of the unprecedented interruption spread across the web, more and more listeners tuned in online. For about 24 hours, there was nothing to hear. But then, on June 6th, the buzzer returned. No explanation, no additional announcements. It just resumed as if there hadn't been an interruption. But then, in mid-August 2010, the broadcast went silent again. From there, it fluctuated for days, on and off and on and off. Listeners didn't know what to make of it. And things were about to get even weirder. On August 25th, 2010, the buzzing stopped again. But instead of silence, listeners could discern something that sounded like scraping and tapping. It sounded like a person was moving around in front of a live mic. Listeners around the world turned up the volume on their radios, hoping a secret was about to be revealed. But the sounds stopped and the buzzing resumed. Only differently this time. The steady transmission from the last several decades was gone. Over the following two weeks, bits of fuzzy music broke up the buzzes. It often sounded like fragments of Dance of the Little Swans from Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. Then, at 8.48 p.m. Moscow Standard Time on September 7, 2010, a male voice started speaking. He listed four Russian names. Mikhail Dmitry Zhenya Boris. It was a new call sign. The first letter of each word made up the station's new official name, MDZHB. People believed this signified some kind of transition. And it did. The signal was on the move. After the upheaval of the past two months, a few listeners triangulated the signal. They found that the broadcast now originated from a new location, hundreds of miles west of its original address. It was now in a city near Russia's border with Estonia. Although the station had a new home, experts speculated that it was still under the same command. According to a website dedicated to military and intelligence radio operations called Priam.org, its new position was squarely in Russia's Western Military District, a key region for the country's sprawling armed forces bureaucracy. 
Although it's impossible to pin down the signal's exact origin, many experts think it's coming from a cluster of radio towers in the heart of a swamp. The buildings surrounding the towers appear to be abandoned, but the entire complex is secured by a metal gate and a stone wall. If anyone has accessed the facility, they're not telling. Listeners noticed other changes after the signal's move as well. The station no longer designated the top of the hour with two quick buzzes, only the monotonous but slightly irregular buzzing. Verbal messages were previously rare, but through the end of 2010 and into 2011, voices became more common and patterns started to appear. Occasionally, listeners noticed repeated codes. For example, on January 26, 2011, the mysterious MC recited the following series of letters and numbers. I-L-O-T-I-C-I-N, 36, 19, 69, 46. Then, on May 11th, the same code came over the airwaves again. Sometimes these messages coincided with important moments in Russian history. Less than a day after Crimea officially joined the Russian Federation in March 2014, MDZHB broadcast a nonsense string of letters, T-E-R-R-A-K-O-T-A, followed by the call sign, Mikhail Dmitry Zhenya Boris. We don't know what this means, but the timing suggests it could be significant. In November 2014, the voice announcements reached a fever pitch. 28 different verbal broadcasts were sent out over airwaves that month. There's no telling exactly why so many messages came through, but Russia did experience a mysterious event during this time. On November 14th, a massive fireball lit up the isolated Sverdlovsk region of Siberia. No one seemed to know what it was. We can't say whether the buzzer's broadcasts were a warning or instructions that led to the flash. All we can do is wait for the next uptick in messages and take our best guess as to what we mean. They could begin any minute now. MDZHB is still on the airwaves today. You can tune in via several live streams online or by turning any radio to the frequency 4625 kilohertz. A verbal message comes through pretty reliably once or twice a week. The expressionless voice used to be exclusively male, but now a woman occasionally reads out an inscrutable series of numbers and letters Sometimes even just a single word or phrase, like dinghy or farming specialist. The more listeners hear, the closer they believe they are to deciphering the cryptic messages. But even with decades of data to work with, no one has ever been able to figure out exactly what they're listening to. And to this day, the station has no operator. Officially, MDZHB is a 50-odd-year-old radio station that no one runs. But not everyone believes the official story. Some theorize the broadcast is linked to one of the most secretive, powerful, and well-funded organizations in the world, 
the Russian military. And the station has the potential to destroy our world. Coming up, how MDZHB could be used to blow up the planet. Hi, it's Vanessa from Parcast Network, and I'm thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for us. It's the four-year anniversary of a podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, why wait? There's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and the co-ed killer, Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Warnos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. You do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. The MDZHB broadcast can be picked up around the world. It primarily transmits a monotonous series of buzzes, but occasionally, a voice delivers a completely nonsensical sequence of letters, numbers, words, or phrases. These messages are always preceded with the same call sign, Mikhail Dmitri Zhenya Boris. Countless people have tried to determine the purpose of the strange radio signal. In 2012, a student named Igor Ivsev even sneaked into the abandoned base that had once hosted the station. He didn't find any definitive evidence amongst the deserted buildings and bits of rubble. However, in addition to the woman with an empty stroller, he spotted a bicyclist who emerged from a heavily wooded area and disappeared into an empty field. Yvesave knew there wasn't anything for miles around and couldn't shake the feeling that the woman and the biker were there to watch him. The good news is you don't need to break into a Russian military outpost to learn more about the radio broadcast. On a daily basis, tens of thousands of people listen to MDZHB, or as the station's fans call it, the buzzer. No one can say for sure what they're hearing. However, most enthusiasts agree on who they're listening to, the Russian military. The most obvious piece of evidence is the broadcast appears to be coming from an old military base. The fact that this base appears to be abandoned only adds to the intrigue. An MDZHB aficionado named Ari Bunda pointed out that the move to the Estonian border in 2010 coincided with a major shuffling of military resources in Russia. Perhaps MDZHB's purpose shifted along with many other defense assets. One anonymous poster, known on MDZHB message boards as JM, 
claims to be a retired high-ranking European official. If this is true, he would be an expert on Soviet and Russian radio techniques. According to JM, the buzzer's frequency and the type of antenna and transmitters it uses align with typical Russian military practices. The real giveaway is the kind of radio signal it utilizes, a short wave. Higher frequencies, like local radio and television feeds, generally travel in a straight line and have a hard time passing through obstacles like buildings or land masses. When a receiver is too far away, it can no longer pick up a signal. If you've ever been listening to local radio on your way out of town, you've experienced this. The more miles between you and the station, the more static you hear, until finally the DJ and the music disappear entirely. That's because local radio stations use a higher frequency. They only need to reach an audience within a small radius, but shortwave radio signals are designed to overcome this geographical limitation. Rather than getting stymied by obstacles, shortwaves can travel over them. They accomplish this by pinging off tiny particles high up in the atmosphere. The shortwaves can travel between these high-altitude ions for thousands of miles. Impressively, they can reach radios around the world without losing much clarity. A reliable long-distance signal that doesn't need to depend on satellites is a useful tool for ships, airplanes, and of course, the armed forces. The United States and China both use shortwave signals to send military messages. So it's only logical that a shortwave signal coming from the vicinity of a Russian base would be operated by the Russian military. The only problem with this theory is the Russian military has never admitted to it. Naturally, Without any word from the Russian authorities, it's impossible to know exactly what the station is for. But that hasn't stopped the Buzzers fans from speculating. Some ideas are a bit outlandish. For example, the suggestion that the station communicates with extraterrestrials or sends orders to submarines thousands of feet under the surface of the ocean. Neither of these hypotheses has received much attention from experts. The signal would need to travel on a significantly lower frequency to penetrate deep water or to successfully travel into outer space. Some listeners suspect the mysterious station serves more mundane purposes. Brian Tabarez, a production engineer and audio professional, thought he recognized the sound on the broadcast. He'd heard a similar tone when performing a basic chore at work, calibrating audio equipment. In that case, the MDZHB broadcast would be pink noise in industry parlance. Each verbal message could indicate an equipment upgrade or a minor adjustment to their settings. Audio engineers in the Russian Armed Forces could use MDZHB to make sure their instruments align with all their counterparts throughout the Western District. In other words, the broadcast could simply be an efficient way to bring every piece of their audio equipment into perfect harmony. However, there's a problem with this explanation as well. 
The inconsistent nature of the buzzing makes it hard to believe the transmission would be useful for something as precise as instrument calibration. Plus, if the station really does have such an innocuous purpose, it doesn't make sense why there would be so much secrecy around it for 50 years. There's another practical use for the signal that could call for more confidentiality. MDZHB could measure the distance to the atmospheric particles that transmit shortwave signals. This data would help make other broadcasts more accurate and clear, and it could be helpful for the radar systems that track incoming missiles. But if that's the case, the buzzer sounds very different from other shortwave signals used for measurement. Most are designed to sound exactly the same. That way, they provide a consistent result even when the particle's altitude varies. It's hard to imagine a sporadic beep interrupted by nonsense letters and numbers would be very useful for this purpose. If the most unorthodox and the most mundane solutions don't entirely make sense, the real purpose of MDZHB must lie somewhere in between. One of the more popular explanations is disturbing but plausible and centers on the military's most terrible and terrifying power, nuclear weapons. The buzzer could be what experts call a dead hand signal. If Russia were to suffer a nuclear attack that stopped the broadcast, the interruption could trigger a chain reaction that ultimately resulted in a catastrophic nuclear counterstrike. The system is allegedly designed to make sure that Russia can retaliate even if its leadership is wiped out. MDZHB's continuous broadcast is like a finger holding the pin in a grenade. As soon as the signal stops, the pin is released and... No diplomacy, no investigation, no human intervention necessary. Just sudden and total annihilation. And there's some evidence to suggest a system like this really exists. The Soviet regime designed a similar nuclear Rube Goldberg machine during the Cold War. It involved a computer program called Perimeter that could independently launch every nuclear weapon in the USSR. Perimeter needed to be activated by a defense official in a moment where a fatal nuclear attack seemed imminent. Then the system would check military communication channels to confirm that living humans are still controlling Russian defense. If it found no activity, Perimeter would move to the next stage, checking for signs of nuclear fallout, like radiation and changes in air pressure. If any of those indicators were present, then nuclear silos across the country would open and deploy to targets across the Western world. Many people who are familiar with modern Russian military protocols suspect that some version of this program is still operational. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has a habit of making ominous statements regarding nuclear weapons. In 2020, he predicted that a nuclear conflict between his country and the United States would lead to worldwide destruction. Perhaps that's because MDZHB ensures that a nuclear strike against Russia is a strike against the entire planet.
but there could be hope. If the buzzer really was a dead-hand signal, it would need to be absolutely foolproof. And there's evidence to suggest that it may not be. For example, the signal was interrupted multiple times in 2010. And thank goodness, none of those interludes resulted in a massive nuclear weapons launch. Of course, if the military scheduled those transmission breaks to relocate the station, they could have disabled the dead hand capabilities first, then reinstated them once the station was up and running again. But the most convincing argument that the buzzer isn't a dead hand signal has to do with the frequencies the buzzer uses. In order for a shortwave signal to broadcast anywhere in the world, it needs to be properly calibrated. The atmospheric ions aren't always in the same place. They move in their own wave-like pattern, one that constantly changes, like the surface of the ocean. During the day, these particles are generally further away from the surface of the Earth, and at night, they crowd in closer. Professional worldwide radio broadcasts, like the BBC World Service, adjust their shortwave frequency daily to compensate. But the buzzer doesn't. So if MDZHB is a dead hand signal, it's a faulty one that's likely to fail its mission. For many experts, this detail is enough to dismiss the explanation entirely. Which brings us back to square one. There are as many theories about MDZHB as there are theorists. But there is one explanation that factors in Russia's history, the specifics of the station's setup and capabilities, and most importantly, the meaning behind the timing and content of the strange verbal messages. MDZHB may be sending coded messages to Russian spies. Coming up, how the buzzer could play a role in Russian espionage. Now back to the story. MDZHB, or The Buzzer, is a shortwave radio station transmitting from somewhere inside Russia. Most listeners feel confident that the Russian military is behind it, but the specific purpose remains contested. That said, MDZHB isn't completely unique. There may be other shortwave radio stations that can shed light on what its mysterious transmissions mean. Some of them have been identified as numbers stations, or radio transmissions that send coded messages to undercover agents and spies all over the world. The most famous example is another shortwave broadcast called The Lincolnshire Poacher, named after the British folk song the station played before every message. After a few bars of the tune, a British woman with an upper-class accent would deliver a string of numbers. To this day, many shortwave listeners believe the British intelligence agency, MI6, operated the station. Although anyone could hear the message, only a listener with a cipher could decode it. This random one-time key was created by the party sending the message, and was only shared with the intended receiver. Assuming the key was completely random, the coded message coming over the shortwave couldn't be broken. 
Numbers stations are popular with many international players, including Americans, Cubans, and North Koreans. Even drug runners take advantage of the technology. But the practice originates from the same place as the buzzer, Russia, and dates back to the 1920s when the Soviet Union was a relatively young country. During this time, the Soviets maintained a trade relationship with the United Kingdom, and a committee called ARCOS supervised all the transactions between the two countries. But British intelligence didn't entirely trust their new partners, so they began listening in on broadcasts to determine what exactly went on inside ARCOS. In May 1927, the British determined that Arcos wasn't being fully honest with them. English police raided their headquarters. As the authorities proceeded to the basement, they came across a door without a handle. Once they got inside, the police found bureaucrats hastily burning documents. The raid tipped off the USSR that MI6 had been surveilling them for years. Afterward, the Soviets resolved to encrypt all their future communications to prevent another embarrassing breach. This involved creating a completely randomized, single-use key, which they called one-time pads. Only the sender and the receiver had the ability to decode a message, and the key only worked for that single communication. But the real genius was the addition of numbers stations. That way, a coded message could be sent to countless receivers at the same time. All over the world, Russian agents could tune into a station, like the buzzer, and use their one-time pad to decipher new orders from the Kremlin. Not only was it more efficient than reaching out to each spy individually, it was far more secure. Russian enemies had no way to trace who received the messages. And even if they did, there was no telling which listeners were Soviet assets and who were just interested shortwave radio hobbyists. Despite its obvious advantages, the system isn't perfect. It's not easy to generate a totally random code that an enemy can't break. Early British solutions involved hanging a telephone out a window to record traffic sound. The mixture of car and pedestrian noise was completely arbitrary and created a template that they could translate into a randomized cipher. Of course, if anyone ever got their hands on the one-time pad, its corresponding message could be translated. Russian thriftiness ended up exposing some of their codes during World War II. British intelligence learned that the Soviets didn't burn their one-time pads. They reused them as toilet paper. In East Germany, an army hospital received shipments of old one-time pads instead of tissue. Unfortunately, M16 couldn't get their hands on the precious decoders until after the hospital used the pages in their bathrooms. A few unlucky agents had the unfortunate task of sorting through human waste. But the discovery of a decipherable one-time pad was gold. They could be used to decode old messages and gather valuable insight into Russian strategy. We know that the Soviet Union used number stations in the past and that other countries use them now. 
There are several indicators that the buzzer is a modern version that follows slightly different protocols than its predecessors. The buzzer appears to be designed for easy access. All the broadcasts are AM compatible, which allows even a basic receiver to relay the message. In other words, no spy would need to add radio technician to their resume to utilize a numbers station. And arguably, the more listeners who access MDZHB, the better. The more enthusiasts tune in, the harder it becomes to spot the Russian assets. The buzzer also broadcasts its alleged ciphers seemingly at random. Historically, numbers stations have been a bit more predictable with their transmissions. Perhaps modern one-time pads instruct Russian agents on how to decode the message and when to tune in. MDZHB also stands out for its lack of numbered transmissions. In accordance with its name, a number station customarily relies on a number-based code. But again, this could be another sign of modernization. The random words and phrases on the buzzer can also be encrypted the same way numbers can. One-time pads can decode anything. In addition to the nuts and bolts of numbers station protocol, there's another compelling piece of evidence linking MDZHB to numbers stations. It's circumstantial, but quite tantalizing. In 2010, the FBI executed several simultaneous arrests across the United States. It was the culmination of a long investigation into a deep-rooted Russian network of undercover agents. That initiative, dubbed the Illegals Program, went on to inspire the FX television show The Americans. All these foreign assets received orders from their homeland in the same way, via a shortwave radio signal, frequency 7887. Perhaps this spy ring's exposure prompted the MDZHB's September 2010 relocation and the change in broadcast protocols. Frequency 7887 might have been lost, but the buzzer was still at play and it needed to be protected. But whether the 2010 arrests affected the broadcast or not, it at least shows that Russia is still very much in the habit of using number stations. And when there's one, there's bound to be another. That said, some buzzer enthusiasts aren't so sure. Some seasoned listeners consider its anomalous broadcasting practices too amateurish to be part of an espionage program. The system that controls an international network of spies should operate with precision. The unpredictable messages and inconsistent buzzes don't exactly promote a sense of professionalism. Plus, the buzzer's perceived incompetence doesn't just stem from its divergence from traditional numbers station practices. It's had a few on-air missteps. Sometimes, other sounds can be heard in the background, underneath the buzzing. Noises that some interpret as indistinct voices and footsteps. Once, words could be clearly heard. On November 3rd, 2001, a voice said in Russian, I am 143, not receiving the generator. That stuff comes from hardware room. There's no telling exactly what went on here, but since the call signal wasn't used, 
it's unlikely that the words were an intentional message. The simplest explanation is that someone, perhaps a member of the Russian military or intelligence agencies, was trying to problem-solve and forgot they were in a room with a live microphone. Another sign of the slapdash production is the fact that the verbal messages appear to be delivered live rather than via pre-recording. Listeners suspect someone is at the mic reciting the code in person because very occasionally the speaker corrects themselves. In the middle of a statement, they'll say, error, before finishing the communication. The imprecision in the buzzer's delivery doesn't completely debunk the number station possibility, but it does add a layer of complexity to it. Perhaps instead of serving an international community of spies, MDZHB just communicates with domestic Russian military assets. The country spans over 6.6 million miles, an expansive distance that could require a shortwave transmission to cover. If this is the case, perhaps the messages the buzzer sends are encrypted out of an immense sense of caution, but are in fact very mundane. For example, it could be telling Russian Humvee drivers when to change their tires. The second possibility is that the buzzer is a backup numbers station. Its messages don't currently reach anyone, but the transmission is maintained in case of an emergency. This could explain the persistent but informal buzzing. The sound is simply a placeholder, making sure others don't take over the frequency. Some think it's an electronic signal tapped directly into the transmission, and perhaps it's controlled remotely. That would certainly be the most polished solution, but the changing timing, timbre, and volume suggests it comes from something far less high-tech. Like, perhaps, a metronome stationed in front of a microphone. Wherever the buzzing comes from, the verbal messages are certainly intriguing. According to a shortwave devotee named Maris Goldmanis, some of these broadcasts are readiness drills. In 2013, one verbal communique was, Command 135 issued. Goldmanis said this phrase triggered a combat readiness test, but it's not clear how they came to that deduction. Unless a whistleblower or defector comes forward with insider information, it's unlikely that we'll ever know exactly what's going on inside the studio broadcasting MBZHB. No matter what the buzzer is for, whether it's a backup domestic communication measure, a mass message for Russian assets worldwide, or a nuclear war trigger, one thing seems clear. It's in everyone's best interest if it just keeps buzzing. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on MDZHB, amongst the many sources we used, we found Wired's article, Inside the Russian Shortwave Radio Enigma, by Peter Savodnik, and the BBC's article, The Ghostly Radio Station That No One Claims to Run, by Zaria Gorvet, extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Stephen Davies, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Hannah McIntosh, with writing assistance by Angela Jorgensen and Connor Sampson. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein, and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa again. Before you go, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. Each week, join me and my co-host Greg for a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years' worth, and catch new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.